Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. What a precious opportunity to worship God and what a precious opportunity to learn from God's Word. This morning, Sunday, um, whichever part of the world you're joining from, greetings. And I just want to welcome you to this third part of this teaching on the glorious church. We've been studying uh, over the last couple of weeks some wonderful things. And today, uh, in this third part of the glorious church, we are going to look at some very, very precious things. The devil hates the plan of God and the church of the living God. The Lord yet believes in the church and the devil wants to destroy all around the world. The devil is moving people's hearts to be against uh, putting faith in God or, or in the things of God. You know, maybe many nations, they're closing doors to people believing in God and walking with God and loving God and maybe going all out <coughs> against this love for God. But Jesus said about his church, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. We've seen this verse. Jesus is so committed to the church of the living God. So when we look in the scriptures, even though the world all around and everything all around is pointing differently to what we are uh, uh, pointing differently, the scriptures are pointing very different from what is visible around. And the Lord is saying, no matter what happens, I am committed to building my church. In the Old Testament, we see when King Solomon was building the temple, you see the Bible says in First Chronicles 22 and verse 5, David said, the house to be built for the Lord should be of great magnificence and fame and splendor. And in the sight of all the nations, David had on his heart, I want to build a mighty church, a powerful building or a, or a glorious temple that will bring great praise to God. Glorious, famous, significant. And so David wanted his son to make preparations for this, uh, to build the temple. And so David started doing it. But when we looked ahead in time, when we go 3,000 years ahead from David's time, God no longer was going to be dwelling in buildings made out of brick and mortar. God is saying, I want to dwell in you. God is saying, I want to dwell in my church, my bride, the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Now the Holy Spirit is no longer dwelling in buildings or, or places like that. The Holy Spirit says, I want relational. I want to be relational. I want to dwell in individuals. I want to call the church of the living God my dwelling place. The gathering of the saints, the body of Christ as the house of God. When you look in the Bible, we see in First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, we see the Bible says, the house of God, uh, you know, that, you know, that how we would conduct ourselves in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. He's saying the body of Christ, the house of God, is indeed the church of the living God. Hallelujah. So, if on one side, the body of Christ is the church of the living God, but in 1 Corinthians 3.16, the Bible says, did you not know that you yourself are the temple of the Holy Spirit? So individually, we are the church of the living God, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And collectively as a body, the Bible calls us the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
The good news is that the Bible is saying, now I don't want to dwell in buildings that man is making. All around the world, when people talk about churches, they say, have you seen that magnificent church building, that magnificent work over there, or that beautiful infrastructure or architectural work? God is saying, I'm not interested in that anymore. I'm not interested in a place where you go to. Like Israel had a temple where everybody looked to the temple. They went to He says, I'm not interested in that. I am interested in you as an individual. I'm interested in the body of Christ as a collective church. That's why in Ephesians and chapter 2, verse 20 to 22, Apostle Paul, he begins to explain this concept. And he's saying the believers are the living stones of the temple of God. The believers in Jesus Christ are not just dead stones. They are living stones, he said, and is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ himself being the cornerstone, in him the whole building being joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together, listen, to become a dwelling in which God lives in his spirit. God is saying, I don't want to put my spirit anymore in a, in a building where the spirit would fall and the spirit would go. He's saying, but I want to make the church of the living God my dwelling place. Hallelujah. What an exciting idea. What an exciting thought to know. God is saying, I want to dwell in you. I want to make you my dwelling place. Hallelujah. Firstly. Secondly, he's saying, I want to make the collective gathering of all the believers I want to make that dwelling place and that is going to be my temple, says the Lord. When you look in the Bible, in the book of Hebrews in chapter 12, one of the most powerful concepts of the church, when we, we think of church, we, we have such a small idea of church. But look at Hebrews 12, verse 22 to 24. Let's see what it says about the church. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God. He's telling the Jewish people, he's comparing with the Mount Zion of Israel which was the city of God. And he's now telling the Jewish believers, he's saying, you have now come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God. He's comparing the Zion and the city of Zion now to what? To the church. And he's saying, you've come to the heavenly Jerusalem, to the myriad of angels. In the church, this is the place where there's a gathering of Thousands and thousands and thousands of angels. Do you know every time we gather together as the family of God comes together, angels are there present in our midst. Hallelujah. The invisible spirit world, as much as people are afraid of demons, I want you to know God sends his ministering angels to his church to come and minister. We have come to the gathering, myriad of angels and to the general assembly. And the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. What is he saying? He's saying you've come to Mount Zion. The church of the firstborn. He says the church is today the Mount Zion. The church is today the temple uh, of the Holy Spirit. The church is today the gathering of the family. The church is today the city of the living God. In place of Zion in Israel, he's saying the church is now the Zion. He says, in, he says this is the Mount Zion, the gathering. Where? He says, and to God, the judge of all, the spirits of those made perfect. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. This is all in the gathering of the church. And that's why he goes on to say in verse 28. In Hebrews 12, 28, he says, therefore... 
Since we shall receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and with awe. Since every other thing is going to be shaken, the Lord is saying, since everything else is going to be shaken, and this church of the living God, eternal, the bride of Christ, the kingdom of God, cannot be shaken. Let us now show gratitude by serving God. Hallelujah. God has a pattern for His church. When God thinks about His bride, His church, He has a glorious idea. Some of our greatest visions of church, when, when pastors or leaders of church people think of church, either they have a great vision of an architectural church, or they have churches of earthly comparisons. I want my church to be like that, or your church to be like that. or you know, People have earthly comparisons, selfish expectations. Or maybe they have religious ceremonial comparisons. Or they may think in their mind, the church is a pit stop to heaven. It's a, it's, a, it's a pit stop to heaven. It's a one-stop place before we are going to take off to heaven. But I want you to know God's plan for church is very different. What is God's plan for church? God is saying, my church will be glorious. My church is not about just the number of people gathering. My church is going to be about the glory in her midst. My church is going to be without spot and wrinkle. God's question is not how many are gathering. God's question is not where it's gathering. God's question is, is my glorious church spotless and without wrinkle? God has an eternal plan for His church. He believes His church is going to be so powerful that it's not meant only for earth. It's meant even for heaven. Eternal plan. His church, He plans to make His church His bride. Hallelujah. We are planning to make our church a gathering on Sunday morning. God is planning to make His church the bride. Hallelujah. What a different concept of church. For God, His church is His embassy on earth. His kingdom representatives on earth. And for God, His church is a place full of God's glory. Every affection, every intention will be God. Every move, every plan will be spirit-filled and spirit-led. That is His bride. Spotless, blameless, wrinkle-free. Not about a building with mortar and brick. Not about a place of gathering, but a people that are glorious. God's church is a glorious people. A spirit-filled, glorious, anointed people. John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 14. The Bible says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory. And, and, and glory the Son to the Father, full of grace and truth. The word becoming flesh. His glorious church is when his word is taking flesh in the church. It become, and that's when we become full of glory. A place where he's glorified, he's anoint, the anointing is welcomed. His presence. Glory is His presence. Glory is His nature, His truth. Psalm 132, verse 13 and 14 says like this, For the Lord has chosen Zion, which is the church, the heavenly Jerusalem. We just saw in Hebrews 12. For God has chosen Zion. He has desired it as His habitation or His dwelling place. God is desiring the church to be where He dwells. Solomon and David wanted to build a building where God would dwell. God is saying, 
I want to dwell in your heart. And I want to dwell in a glorious church, in the people that love me and come together. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it, says the Lord. When we think of a glorious church, what must be our understanding of a glorious church? God's heart for a glorious church must be our heart for a glorious church. Firstly, what would a glorious church look like? Firstly, a glorious church would be a church where Christ is the head of the church. A glorious church is a place where we, where we accept the lordship of Jesus Christ. He is not just a savior. He is lord of lords and king of kings. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the ending. His word will be final. His Plans will be honored. His nature will be pursued. His love will fill our heart. The glorious church, Jesus Christ, will be treated as king of kings. He will be supreme above everyone else. When we treat Christ as the head, that will be true worship. That will truly be worship when we worship him. Colossians 1.18 says, and he's the head of this church, the body. He is the beginning, firstborn from the dead, so that everything he might have the supremacy. Can you imagine a church where Christ has supremacy? No board, no earthly human church leadership, no pastor, no so bishop or apostle or self-promoting people will have supremacy. The Holy Spirit, Christ Jesus will have supremacy. He is and will only be the only head of the church. He will give us an opportunity to serve Him, but He will continue to be the head. The Bible says, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me, Jesus said in Matthew 28. He said, now you go and make disciples of all nations. All authority is given to Jesus. That is a glorious church. A glorious church where his authority is honored because he will be king in that place. Ephesians chapter 1 was 22 and 23. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and made him head over all things. Every believer needs to constantly ask himself the question, have I made Christ head? Over every area of my life. Is he Lord? I heard a saying many years ago that goes like this. If he's not Lord of all. He's not Lord at all. Is Christ Lord of all in our life? How are we making him the head over all things. Which is his body. Christ has to be the head over the body which is the church. Matthew 7.21 says. Not all who say Lord, Lord shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But those that do the will of God. Isn't that beautiful? When we come to a church where everybody is coming saying, I have come to do the will of God. Everybody, when we go from our worship gatherings together, will be saying, I'm going to do the will of God. That's a glorious church. That's a passionate church. When the Lordship of Christ is rejected, we are governed by committees and we are governed by traditions and we are governed by fear of man and we are governed by financial decisions and we are governed by human control and all of that. But when Lord Jesus becomes the head of the church, we are governed by the Holy Spirit. We are governed by apostolic leadership that fear the Lord. When the Lord is rejected, His mission is rejected. His nature is rejected. His plans are rejected. 
His, his intents are rejected by man. There will be no submission in the church unless there is a church that fears the Lord. That's a glorious church. The Bible says God wants us to be connected to the head. And the body, if it's connected to the head, but if there is no decisions from the head that is coming to the body, the body will be ineffective. The heart, a brain dead person, heart may be beating, there will be life in the body, but ineffective because the body is not connected to the head. Without headship, the body can do nothing. That's the only place to start where we give God headship over the body. The Bible says the second, what would be the second sign of a glorious church? It would be a holy church. A church that loves holiness. Imagine everybody that worships God, every believer says, I have come to live a holy life unto God. I've come to live a life that honors God. Live according to the nature of God. When you think of holiness, holiness is not just moral purity. Holiness is, is upholding the heart and nature of God. And say, God, I want to do your will. The church will be a holy, relentless, passionate, passionate church following God. God wants to present to himself a glorious church that is holy. What is it? Ephesians 5. We look at verse 25 to 27. Bible says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself to make her holy. Look what Jesus did. He's saying that he gave himself to make the church holy. How? Cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and presenting to himself a radiant church. A radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, holy and blameless. He died to make his church holy. And not just to make her holy, but now to present to himself a a radiant church, blameless, without sprinkle or without stain. You see, the Bible says that God is desiring this church. Jesus desires this bride. He's longing and desiring for this bride. In verse 31 of the same chapter, Ephesians 5, the Bible says, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, and I'm speaking in reference to Christ's church. When he talks about the husband and wife becoming one, leaving and cleaving, he brings in the example of the church and Jesus. What is he saying? He's saying a husband must leave his father's household, the old connections, the old uh, you know, things he was known by, father and mother, and form a new joining together, cleave to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. When we are beginning to follow Jesus as our Savior, the glorious church must leave the devil and his ways, must leave a sinful life, must leave a way of wickedness, and cleave unto Jesus, our bridegroom, that the two will become one flesh. When we live as a glorious church, we don't live as Jesus we meet on Sunday morning, 
and the body that just does whatever it wants the rest of the week. When we're a glorious church, He's the head and we are one body. The two become one. Everywhere we go, we are going as the body of Christ. Everyone we're speaking to, we're speaking as the body of Christ because of this glorious church. What did Jesus do for this glorious church? He loves His glorious church. He loves His glorious church, whether we like it or not. But people may look and say, look at the hypocrites in the church that are living unholy lives. Look at the formalists in the church. They sing songs of praise, but inside they're full of wickedness and ungodliness. Even the true saints, the believers, many are childish. Many are, you know, ignorant. They murmur, they slander, they're full of unbelief against God. Even the so-called believers are living such low lives. People will look at the church and say, by now they should have been teachers, but they are living like carnal people. Many heresies are coming from the church. Ungodly doctrines are being taught. And unstable minds are just sucking in all these ungodly doctrines. Is this the church? Many people say, well, look at the church. It's full of divisions. For some people say, I follow Paul. Some say, I follow Apollos. Is this the church of God that you're talking about? There's envy, there's backbiting, there's slander, there's all kinds of wickedness. There's suspicion and so there's lukewarm Christianity. No passion for God. Is this the church of the living God? When Jesus looks at it, he says, whatever you see in the church, I want to tell you, I'm passionate about the church. Hallelujah. God is telling you as an individual, I'm passionate about you. You are my treasure. God is looking at his whole church and saying, I'm passionate about you. You are my treasure, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Whether we accept it or not, Jesus says, I will build my church. It is for this treasure that he left heaven's glory and came down and died on the cross for your sin and my sin. Therefore, Christ cherishes his church. He is glorious church is going to be a holy church. Therefore, put away every filth and every wickedness and let us like newborn babies, let's go after the holiness of God that loves God. God loves his church. Not only does he love his church, he now, his love makes him sacrifice for his church. We see in the word of God that he gave himself for his church. He loved the church so much that Christ died for the church. That he is sacrificing. Why? That he might make her holy. Jesus' sacrificial love makes us holy. When we look at his love, we want to be holy. When we look at God's love, we want to walk with God. That we want to walk in the love of God. And this love does a work in us. What is the love? What is the work that love does in us? It begins to wash us, purify us, so that we can be spotless blameless and without wrinkle. What a glorious church that would be. When we look at ourselves, we're full of spot and wrinkle and all problems. When Christ looks at his church, he sees the possibility of great holiness. Hallelujah. The glorious church of God will have Christ as head. The glorious church of God will be a holy church, passionate for holiness, where we will say, Lord, I want to repent from my sin. I want a repentance will be held in high priority, turning away from sin. Sin will be hated in a holy church. The Bible says in Romans 6:11, you too consider yourself dead to sin but alive to God. First John 5:18 says for 
we know that no one who has been born of God sins. But he who was born of God keeps himself and the evil one does not touch him. That's a glorious church. For I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This is a glorious church. When we are crucifying our old self, every believer will begin to hate sin because he loves God. Every believer will also begin to hate sin because he is loved by God. Hallelujah. The love for God and the love from God will make us hate sin and walk away from wickedness. At that time, the church community, sin will not be normalized. We will love the sinner, but we will hate the sin. The church will be honored as Christ's people. People will talk about a fear of God when they come to the church. Because the church will be pure and chaste. Not a community club for Sundays, but a family gathering that has a culture of holiness. A culture that hates sin. Jesus is making us this holy, radiant church. Get ready, church, because the glorious church of God will be a holy church. Thirdly, the glorious church of God will be a spirit-filled church where the presence of God, the power of God will flow freely. (coughs) The church was birthed on the day of Pentecost. Just like Adam, the Spirit of God filled him and he came alive. On the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God filled the church and the church became alive. God wants to fit us together and fill us with the Holy Ghost. We saw in Ephesians 2.22, it says, The church is the place where we are all fitted together and the Holy Spirit wants to make His dwelling there. What kind of church does God want to live in? He wants to live in a Spirit-filled church where the Spirit of God is given freedom. The Spirit of God, we worship in the Spirit. Where we walk in the Spirit. Where we talk to each other in the spirit. Where we are spirit led and spirit filled. Oh the word of God is preached in the spirit. We are connected to one another. Not because of our likes and dislikes. But connected in the spirit. The Bible says where two or three are gathered together in my name. I will be there. The presence of God will be there in such a church. Where the spirit of God fills every person. We will be praying in the spirit. That's a glorious church. The gifts of God will flow freely. There will be miracles. There will be healing. There will be signs. There will be wonders. All because we welcome the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. There will be the fruit of the Holy Spirit. A glorious church. Love is not an option. Love is the only option. Hallelujah. Let me say that again. Love is not an option. Love is the only option. We, we are commanded by God's nature. To walk in love towards one another. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. All these things will be the nature. The Spirit-filled church will have all of this. And I believe God wants to anoint the church. Psalm 133. The Bible says how good and pleasant a thing it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Unity. A spirit-filled church will be a united church. Hallelujah. There will be no divisions. The body of Christ will come together. When we become a spirit-filled glorious church, the body of Christ will come together and say, we are one. We are not just uniform. We are not just united. We are going to be one. And that is what Jesus prayed for. A glorious church will be one church. 
where we will be. It's like the precious oil. Running down the head, running down the beard and, and Aaron's beard. That You know, the oil of God is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Uh, a glorious church will be a spirit-filled church, like the oil of God flowing down. And the Bible says, it's like the dew of Hermon coming down Mount Zion. The anointing of God, Mount Zion, the church, coming down on Mount Zion, for the Lord has commanded His blessing there, life forevermore. A glorious church will be a church where it will be spirit-filled. And God is saying, there is where I'm going to command a blessing. John's Gospel 17 the grace high priestly prayer of Jesus. Verse 22. The Bible says. Jesus said. And the glory which you gave me. I've given to them. That they might be one. A spirit filled church. Will be filled with glory. There will be a united church. There will be a spirit filled spirit led church. Walking in the spirit. Talking in the spirit. No wickedness coming out of our mouth. No comparisons. No pride. No arrogance. No boasting. No self seeking. But the glory of God will be everywhere. A glorious church, fourthly, will be a truth-filled church. The glorious church will love the Word of God. The foundations of the church will be the Word of God. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 says, The church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. The church of the living God will be based on truth. It will not be a pulpit to preach sweet messages that everybody likes to listen. It will be the pulpit where we stand and the one who speaks... The Bible says, we'll speak as though he speaks the very oracles of God. I know there are many, many, many places where there are great preachers in the sight of man. But the question is not whether they're great orators. The question is, are they speaking the oracles of God? The church will be speaking truth in a world full of relativism, humanism, and all kinds of different kinds of agnosticism and atheism and all these different isms. Are we the voice of truth? The glorious church is not a buttressing church. The glorious church is not a bootlicking church. The glorious church is the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's the voice of truth in a confused world. The world may not like to hear it, but the church will continue to be the voice of truth. Absolutely perfect, unchangeable, redeeming truth of God's word will be preached. As we share the truth, the truth will set the world free and will set us also free. The devil is the father of all lies. That's how he came in, in the beginning. He lied to Adam and Eve and he got in and he wants to come in now into the church and he wants us to preach lies, teach lies, tell lies to one another. Hello brother, praise the Lord, I love you. But inside a heart full of dead man's wickedness, God is saying, Colossians 3 and verse 9, do not lie to one another. Since you stripped off the old self with all its practices. Satan got into the world through a lie. And I want you to know salvation and deliverance shall get into you through the truth. Hallelujah. Your truth will come into your heart. Many of us, we hate the truth. We don't like to hear the truth because the truth hurts. I want you to know the truth hurts. It's okay if the same truth that hurts you heals you. If the same truth that hurts you, heals you, to make you a child of God, I'd rather have that truth hurt me. Satan got in through that lie. Jesus fought back with the truth. Jesus came full of grace and truth. And he wants that truth to dwell in us. The Bible says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Full of glory. God wants his truth to dwell in the church. 
everything we speak will be based on the truth of God's word. That's a glorious church. Where the Bible says, loving one another, speaking the truth in love. That's a glorious church. Where we can speak the truth, but not to pull people down. We can speak the truth to love one another. And the Bible says, what a glorious church that will be. Where we'll all put on the whole armor of God. The Bible says the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. We put on the belt of truth and the shoes of the, the gospel of peace. And we take the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Everything about this armor is the word of God. That's a glorious church. Every believer going forward with the word of God. And nothing to cover the back because... When you walk in truth, there's nothing to turn your back away from. You're standing in truth, the word of God. Fifthly, a glorious church will be a purpose-filled church. A glorious church will have the mission of God on his heart. Romans chapter 15, verse 5 and 6. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another, according to Christ Jesus, so that with one purpose... And one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. A glorious church is a church that has one purpose and one voice. What is the one purpose? To bring glory to God. What is the one voice? To bring glory to God. A glorious church, the purpose will be the mission of God. The great commission will not become the great omission. The great commission will become the church's great compulsion. Just like you and I have compulsion to sin, so also the purposes of God, the great purpose of the church will become our compulsion. Because the Bible says, like the, like the Bible says in Corinthians, the love of God compels me. A glorious church will be compelled by the love of God to fulfill the purpose of God. So that principalities and powers all around the world will know what is the wisdom of God that is being manifested through the glorious church. A glorious church will desire to do the mission of God, fulfill the will of God. We, the mission of God will be our will. We will spend our lives becoming God's fellow builders. A glorious church will be pursuing the purpose of God. Sixthly, a glorious church will be a fully deployed church. Hallelujah. Where everyone without Christ is a mission field. And everyone with Christ is a missionary. What is the mission? To tell the world that Jesus loves the world and he died for the world. That is our mission. The great commission to go out and make disciples of every nation. Telling the world Jesus loves. If anybody listening to me today does not know this truth. I want you to know for God so loved you. That he gave his only begotten son Jesus. That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We will be a fully deployed church, active in service. The culture of the church family will be mission. The culture of the church family will be to carry this gospel. Zephaniah 3.9 says, For at that time I will change the speech of the people to a pure speech, that all of them may call on the name of the Lord and serve Him with one accord. Did you hear that church? We serve Him as one. We don't serve him when convenient. We don't serve him when comfortable. We don't serve him when possible. We don't serve him when we have time. We serve him as one. 
Many times when we think of the church, we think the church's job is for the pastor and the full-time ministers. We are all called to serve Him as one. The whole family deployed in the work of God. How amazing is that? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, it says, do you know we are all members of one body? Different parts, hands, legs, body. And when we are all serving together, taking orders from the head, only when we are taking orders from the head are we all serving together. And I want you to know, the parts of the body that are not serving the, the Lord are not taking orders from the head. We are in the body but not connected to the body. And the Bible says God wants us to be connected. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 3 to 7. Paul says, suffer hardship with me like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No soldier in active service, in active service, entangles in the affairs of everyday life. Either we are lost in everyday living or we are active in service. The church that is glorious is a whole church active in service every day. Saying, Lord, what can I do? So that he may please the one who enlisted him. That's a glorious church. Everybody thinking, today how can I please the Lord? Today how can I live for him? God wants us to be fervent. Romans 12, 11 says, not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. That's a glorious church. The whole church deployed Everybody using their time, their gifts, their money, their energy in serving God. Finally, the glorious church will be a victorious church. A glorious church will be manifesting the victory of Jesus. You know, many, many years ago, I learned a song that's still on my heart. I have seen, seen the victory of Jesus. Glory be to God. Glory be to Jesus. I've seen, seen the victory of Jesus. Glory be to God. Amen. When I look to the left, I see Jesus has conquered. When I look to my right, I see Jesus has conquered. When I look to my front and my back, I see Jesus has conquered. That is a glorious church. Because Christ has overcome. Jesus said in John's Gospel 16.33, Jesus said, be of good cheer. For I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer because Jesus has overcome the world. But in 1 John 4, 4 he says, You have overcome the world. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I want to tell you today that the spirit of Jesus in you is greater than the spirit of the Antichrist out there in the world. As Jesus came and preached the gospel, when Jesus came the first time, the whole world turned against him. But he's coming the second time as a glorious king. He came the first time as a helpless baby. But he's coming the second time as a glorious, victorious king. With the army of the called and the chosen and the faithful, he's coming back. It's a glorious church. There's going to be a church that's in love with God. Young and old will love Jesus. We will overcome what Satan offered, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh and the pride of life, we will be overcomers. We will be overcoming every temptation. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 10.13, No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man. That which is common to man and he, God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. He will not tempt you. I love you to be tempted more than you are able. But with every temptation, he will provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it, says the Lord. There's going to be a victor victory. 
the glorious church will have victory in life and the glorious church will have victory in death when we live we will be victorious even if we have to die we will be victorious why because the bible says revelation 12:11 it says and they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony because the shed blood of jesus and because of the word of our testimony what we live they did not love their lives even when faced with death people of god get ready that's a victorious church Vic- victorious church finds victory even in death hallelujah a victorious church will overcome what is jesus saying because you are overcoming i'm going to cause you to sit on my throne with me says the lord revelation 321 says to the one who overcomes i will grant him to sit with me on my throne as i also overcame and sat with my father on his throne God is saying I'm going to make my bride sit with me on the throne hallelujah that is a glorious church an overcoming church a overcoming church that will have a new name given to them the heat of the hidden manna that is there in heaven an overcoming church will keep God's word till the end let him who has ears let him hear says the word of God this church is God's bride this overcoming church glorious church Christ says this is the bride I'm coming for and I'm going to make this church spotless blameless and without wrinkle I'm going to separate the wheat from the wheat I'm going to separate the sheep from the goat I'm going to separate the formalists and the hypocrites I'm going to separate their hearts from wickedness and I'm going to call on their hearts to love the Lord with all their heart all their soul 2 Corinthians 11 Verse two says, "Look this. I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. People of God, bride of Christ, God says, I want to present you as a bride prepared for the coming of the Lord. One of the most beautiful symbols in the Bible of the church is the bride, prepared, beautiful, washed with the Word, holy, blameless, fully engaged, serving God." That's why the church is called a bride but it doesn't he's not coming for just any bride he's coming for a bride that is washed and spotless by the word of God a glorious church many people may not want to be part of this church but millions around the world are going to say we are going to keep ourselves for the coming of the Lord Jesus hallelujah millions are going to say maranatha come soon lord jesus We're going to be a radiant, a holy, a powerful church. And there'll be no greater honor than when Christ calls us as his church on that great day in heaven on the day of the marriage of the lamb. We will all be like the bride of Christ marching into that great marriage feast where the bride has made herself ready says the Lord. Revelation 19:7 says the bride has made herself ready. people of god i want you to know christ is coming for that bride for that glorious church revelation 22:17 says and the spirit and the bride they say come the spirit of god and the bride of god is saying come the spirit of god is waiting for the bride the bride is waiting for the spirit what a glorious church what a beautiful church prepare yourself to be the bride of christ Don't just prepare to be saved by our confession. Prepare 
to be washed and prepared for the coming of Jesus because he is coming for a glorious church pure set apart as a bride for him father we want to thank you for this precious day we thank you that you are you loved your church so much that you gave your life for her that you are you gave your life to make her holy sanctify her and to make her spotless blameless and without wrinkle and father i just want to commit in jesus mighty name that you lord would bless the work of the church though the the pursuit of holiness the pursuit of your presence the pursuit of your headship oh god the pursuit of your truth the pursuit of your purpose the pursuit of your service and pursuit of a victorious life father we want to be that glorious church fill us with your anointing we give you all the glory for we are your church without repentance lord with you will not repent for calling us your church and father we will not repent and turn away from you we will repent and turn towards you we give you the glory in jesus mighty name amen and amen god bless you thank you for listening to this sermon for more sermons please do visit us at wicc.in